Production. Recorded live. Welcome to Evolution Revolution with Dulcinea. It is Thursday, September 17, 2009. Happy early fall. The path of authenticity is the only path of possibility in the eyes of the soul. Aligning this path with the worldly expression of who you are is a most divine adventure. Expect the best and let, and let the heart be the divine compass. Evolution Revolution is focused on offering the listeners intuitive and balanced information that fosters transformation both personally and globally, ultimately raising the consciousness on planet Earth. Please explore more about myself, Evolution Revolution, Voices of Change, all past guests and archives, media articles, services, resources, upcoming events, and much more on my website at www. Dot evolution revolution radio.com or www.dulcinea'sdivinevision.com. Thank you for joining the show this evening, wherever you may be listening. Tonight on Evolution Revolution, I am honored to have an appearance from Jeff Brown. Born in Toronto, Canada, Jeff did all the things he was supposed to do to become successful in the eyes of the world. He was on the Dean's Honor List as an undergraduate. He won the Law and Medicine Prize in law school, apprenticed with top criminal lawyer Eddie Greenspan. It had been Brown's lifelong dream to practice criminal law and search for the truth in the courtroom. But then, on the verge of opening a law practice, he heard a little voice and said, telling him, stop, just stop. With great difficulty, he honored that voice and began a heartfelt quest for the truth that lived deep within him. Although he didn't realize it at that time, Brown was actually questing for his innate image, the essential being that he came into this lifetime to embody. He was searching for his authentic face. As part of his journey, Brown surrendered to his confusion and explored many possible paths. He studied bioenergetics and did session work with co-founder Alexander Lowen. He practiced as a body-centered psychotherapist. He completed an MA in psychology at Saybrook Graduate School in San Francisco and co-founded the Open Heart Gang, a benevolent gang with a heartfelt intention. He developed his student business and became a successful entrepreneur. The most important thing Brown did, however, was the inner work. By going inside and connecting with his spirituality, with his emotional life, he learned essential lessons. By learning to surrender to the school of heart knocks, the school of life, he found his authentic face and embraced the call to write soul shaping. Although he resisted at first, he soon realized that honoring the call was his best defense against sleeplessness. If he wrote, he slept, and if he didn't, he lay awake all night. This is the nature of a calling. Brown currently lives in Toronto where he and the Open Heart Gang are close to finishing a documentary titled Carmageddon, which includes wonderful dialogues with Brown and spiritual teacher Ram Das, Yogi Sean Korn, and David Newman, and several chanters. In addition, Brown is actively searching for wheels for the soul-shaping bus tour, a spirited adventure across North America with his soul friends, heaven bent on inviting more people to raise the flag of the little voice to the rafters of consciousness. Welcome back to Evolution Revolution, Jeff. It's an honor to have you here. Ah, it's an honor to be here again, Dulcinea. Great. What, so wonderful. So 
we're going to start with what is soul shaping. There's so much to talk about, but we're just going to break right into what the core of what we're talking about tonight. Soul shaping is really a, I mean, it's an artful process. It's the artful process, in my view, of the nature of, of this human incarnation. It's the idea that the soul comes into each incarnation in a particular state or shape of being, and that it's we come in with particular callings, uh, lessons, and experiences that are necessary for us to move through and to transform our cellular consciousness, the shape of our soul, to the next step in the evolution of that soul. And so, for example, I came into this lifetime with particular gifts, particular archetypal pathways, and particular developmental stages that I had to go through in order to become who I was called to become in this lifetime. James Hillman used a term called the innate image, which is like you can imagine yourself kind of walking down a pathway try to get a, a almost a physical in, or tangible image of who you would be, how you would look, walk, manifest if you had kind of walked into the path you're really here to embody. And soul shaping is really about, it's a process, and it's a process about excavating what that path is that lives inside of you and doing the work to actually actualize it so you can move forward in your journey. Very, very profound. And that was the inspiration, or that was the core summary of the inspiration for your book, Soul Shaping, A Journey of Self-Creation. Am I correct? Yeah. I mean, you know, as you know, I had a call to, to write Soul Shaping, you know, the original edition. And, you know, it wasn't entirely clear to me what, what was the nature, you know, what's exactly the shapes and contours and textures of that calling. It was just sit down and write something about this journey. Tell your story. And, you know, I, this term soul shaping, you know, I'd move my body and this term kept coming to me. And it was it was like not entirely clear to me what exactly it was. And, and as the writing process unfolded and I began to assemble understanding of really what my path had been, it became clear that really at the heart of it, this was the core concept, the shaping of the soul from one incarnation to another. Very, very beautiful. So with that, I must ask, then, do you believe that we have a journey that is mapped out with certain encounters, people, places, or experiences prior to our arrival upon Earth? Yeah, I feel that it's, I feel certain, and certainly in my experience, it feels certain to me that there were particular individuals, people that, you know, I call that my soul pod, people have particular resonance with, you know, just those individuals you encounter and you kind of know you're going to encounter them or there's something sticky or substantive about the connection. There's some grist, some learning. Something has to be harvested. And, yeah, I mean, you know, I've had so many experiences along the way uh, that have uh, validated that belief in me. And and also just the fundamental belief that there were particular gifts or callings that I was here to, to, to orient myself towards. And throughout my process, I would have little glimmers, little glimmers of, like, who I was to become, who I was to encounter in this lifetime. For example, very simple example, I remember seeing Bhagavan Das, who was a, a spiritual teacher and a chanter, um, who was made famous in, in the book Be Here Now, Ram Das's book. And I remember seeing him at Harbin Hot Springs in 1998. And I remember when I went into the Chan Hall, the guy just felt familiar to me, like I kind of knew him, or like it was like I was going to know him or something. And, and then that was the end of that. And then he would come to Toronto different times along the way to chant, and I'd go see him. And then eventually ended up in my house, and I ended up making a movie about him. And it just was just one example of these particular individuals that you encounter that you kind of knew you were supposed to meet. Mm, 
I can definitely relate to that. I think that you were probably one of those people on my path. Um, we had spoken and I had reviewed your first edition of Soul Shaping in April of 2008. And when I read the book, it was like, oh my gosh, did this guy just come break in my house, steal my journals, and go write a book? <laughs> it was pretty amazing. <laughs> it's part of my path to be a journal thief, absolutely. <laughs> well, you did a great I'm job. A I'm a soul bandit at heart. Oh, that's a great compliment. <laughs> yeah, I, I've had—I mean, I've had a lot of feedback um, from a lot of people that there's something about the book, and I certainly didn't know that when I wrote it, but that really calls out to their particular path. And you know, it's so—it's so interesting when you when you grow up as I did in a very traumatic environment, an environment you're really embarrassed about. You really can't even imagine, in a way, that there's somebody living in another house down the street or around the corner that's having a similar experience. You know, it just seems so dysfunctional and so shameful and so un uncomfortable. And, you know, I remember when I used to door knock, because I door knocked my way through school, I used to kind of like knock on the door and then I would step back from the door, I would go down a couple of steps. It was because I really couldn't identify myself as one of those people in that house because I had this illusion that they were functional or that they had a different kind of reality than I did. And, goes out into the world and I get this endless validation from people that I was writing their story. You know, people from, you know, both genders, all kinds of races, all ages, stages of consciousness and um, startling and, and affirming the fact that we really are so unbelievably connected and walking the same pathways, just maybe at different times and in slightly different ways. But yeah, it's really cool. It's really amazing, and I definitely want to honor you for writing Soul Shaping, A Journey of Self-Creation, and, and encapsulating and capturing your experience so that as others go through their journey, and including myself and all of our audience members, they can relate to the experiences of, oh my, God, my gosh, I can't sleep all night. Oh my gosh, I can't pay my bills. Oh my gosh, I can't go to this darn job another day. <laughs> and, or, oh my, and oh my gosh, I have all this emotional pain inside of me, and I've really got to create space for it. And how do I do that in this difficult world? You know, that's exactly it. You know, we're all confronted with these fundamental questions on the sacred battleground, which is, do I do do I create space? How do I create space? And am I willing to create space to do this work to live a more authentic and conscious life? And I mean, it's everybody's question. You know, I wrote the book, and it's still my question. It, it, it never ends that question. Well, that is a very humble perspective, and I definitely can relate to that. And I think that you have done, uh, we'll call this, um, which, which should we say, elementary school or junior high, knowing that you're just going to continue to evolve and shine and bring forth more of your light and your wisdom and experience to allow the world to embrace uh, your divine offerings even further. So I'm really looking forward to that as I embrace your book now. <laughs> nice. Yeah, so what is your vision for soul shaping? Well, you know, now is kind of promotion phase. And uh, my, I have a strong intuition that um, the, the, the next step in the journey is going to happen on a more grassroots level. We've built up a lot of grassroots momentum. Facebook and various places have been super, I mean, it's so humbling how supportive people in the Soul Shaping group on Facebook are of this work. You know, it's so fantastic. And, you know, so now we're just starting to move into bookstores the last couple of weeks, bookstores that have ordered the book. Individuals are going into bookstores, talking to managers, encouraging them to move, put the book, shelve the book. You know, nowadays they're a little reluctant, a little nervous about new books, books they haven't seen before. 
terms of what's happening in the economic realm. So that's one aspect of it. I'm going to move into video and do a lot more YouTube on the Soul Shaping channel in the next couple of months. I think that's an important next step in the journey. And, you know, ultimately I'd like to have a long Soul Shaping uh, bus tour and just move around, connect to people, talk about the book, talk about, you know, try to raise the little voice that knows to the rafters of consciousness. That's what I keep coming back to, that if my message is one thing, because it's complicated, there's a lot of parts to the book, and grounded spirituality, West-East merger, all that stuff, but really what it comes back to is if I can you know, send one message forward to people that's to honor that little voice inside of them that knows the path, path they're here to walk. Give breath to that voice and you know, and I'll 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 try to move that that message into the world in any way that I can. Very very wonderful, and I'd like to let our audience know that you'll actually begin the first soul shaping bus tour in January of 2010. So tell us more. Yeah, I'm going to go. Um, and I, I, I don't know if I'll have a bus. We may get a little car and just paint soul shaping on it on the sides. But I'm going to do a West Coast tour. Um, I'm going to do some signings and talks in California. I'm at Gateways in Santa Cruz late January. Uh, I'm going to arrange some stuff. Then I'm, I'm going to do a week in Maui. I try to do arrange to do some talks in Maui, and then a West Coast tour from uh, I think from BC and Canada across into Alberta and Manitoba by train, and then uh, Toronto sometime in February. That'll be just like my first foray into it, and um, and we'll see how things unfold from there. That, that is very exciting. So since we've spoken in April of 2008, there's been just such an evolution of what's occurred because at that point the book had only been out maybe, uh, or you'd only picked up your first shipment for about four or five months. And then now here you are into this second edition. Congratulations, by the way. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, it's, yes. I, I'm loving the new edition. I'm loving the cover and... You know, we have nice testimonials from best-selling people, Ram Dass, Elizabeth Lesser on the front and back cover. There's just been, you know, this really cool, serendipitous wave of support for this book, you know. Um, just on so many levels, so many little things have happened. And, you know, I come back to Facebook because Facebook has been such a fantastic connection and support site. It's like my soul pod is there, you know. And whenever I feel a little bit, like, sluggish, or a little bit um, tired, discouraged, something, you know. I go there, and there is just a supportive email from someone who read the book and felt, you know, deeply moved by the book, or just someone who kind of somehow intuitively knows, I just need to hear something validating, and and there they are. And it's um, it's really, it's it's been quite a remarkable experience on the day-to-day grassroots personal connectedness level, which is, you know, I mean, I door-knocked my way through school. I mean, this is really how I've done it, and it feels in in a way completely consistent with that like individual contact you know yes really focusing on connecting with people's hearts not becoming a corporate turnaround system oh yeah and it's like you know as people have said to me cuz i'm approaching the friend limit on facebook you know start a fan page i mean just i can't even stand the name fan page i i mean support page maybe i could do it you know but it's like you know how do you do this in a way that isn't hype based and that isn't you know mm-hmm. over marketed i mean at first I thought, this is like my diary, you know. I don't. I mean, how can I go out there and tell the world, buy my diary? It feels so ridiculous, almost narcissistic to do it. But now that I've seen the way that people respond to the book and how it helps them, now I feel like I've moved outward and I've accepted, okay, it's okay to show yourself. It's okay to, like, 
you work with your status on Facebook as an example, work with the Soul Shaper newsletter to try to like generate energy, to make people aware of your work, you know. But it's like how do you do that? How do you honor that intentionality in a benevolent way and not become a hype machine, you know? Not become an over marketed positive energy, you know, like all that stuff and 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 I'm I'm hoping I have a number of people around me that I've told if I if you feel like I cross that line, pull me back, you know, because I want to keep this personal and I want to keep this authentic and the energy moves. That that's that's the challenge, you know. One on one becomes difficult. My birthday was a couple of days ago and I had hundreds of emails. I can't respond to hundreds of emails. I don't have the physical energy to do that. And but now the the thing that I love most, which is that one on one context, starts to feel like it falls away and. You know, I'm wrestling with it. I'm not really exactly sure how to straddle this line. Yeah, it's definitely a fine line, and I I know myself as well. Being the media, <laughs> the hype, right? That's what the media does. <laughs> Creates that hype, and I can tell you that having a parallel journey with yourself and with soul shaping, um, it's really important to follow the heart and listen to that inner voice, which you mentioned so clearly in the book. Is just learning to trust that inner voice and. So I think as you learn to trust that inner voice and lead yourself through this, you'll know how to manage this great yeah. uh, so support that you have behind you. I think yeah. it, it is it's very important. And I want to also commend you that you know you're a divine channel, Jeff. And this book, Soul Shaping: A Journey of Self Creation, is just ringing true to people's hearts because what you the the theme that you've brought forth, as I read through the second edition, and I got this same message through the first, is a universal premise of Listen to the truth of who you are and follow that. And there is not one person across this, out of the 6.2 billion people on the planet who don't resonate with that. So I expect you to become really popular. <laughs> and well, that's a positive thing. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's, I mean, I mean that, and that is the core message of the book. You know, it's like it doesn't matter what, I mean, it's just something so clear to me, you know. People will tell you who you are. They'll tell you what steps to take. You know, and a lot of them are good intentioned. They're, you know, they're parents who understand survival matters. They're rooted in the basic needs experience of their generation. You know, they want yeah. to teach you practical skills, and you need them. You need to ascend with both feet on the ground. You can't float away and do this stuff. You got to deal with the world. This path happens in the world. This real spirituality is a worldly experience, in my opinion. And, but, you know, no matter what anyone tells you, and I, I really want to vi start videoing about this, you're the only one who knows. You know, it's like, you know, I may have some insight when I encounter someone as to, like, what I think they got to work on or, like, what might be in the way or something. But in terms of, like, a vision of ultimate possibility for them, in terms of, like, particular directionality, what does the library of you hold inside? What do your soul scriptures look like? It's a fantastically empowering thing and also quite terrifying to accept you're the only one who knows. <laughs> you're the that only one so who knows. True. How scary is that? I mean, when you know, so often huh? in the journey, I kept wanting to, like, hand it over to somebody else. I just had this therapist, and I'd say, Marika, just tell me, you know, who am I? You know, I'd say, give me five minutes, and I'll pretend like you know, so I'll have a break you know, for five years. <laughs> and so she would tell me, you know, and of course I would disregard her and tell her how could she possibly know only I know, right? But it was like a, it's, it's hard work. It's almost easier to take on someone else's answers. But at the end of the day, you don't end up too gratified, you know. This is the path to real genuine soul gratification is doing the work to figure out what your particular and distinct path is. And, 
and that's the message, and I don't want to ever lose touch with that as the core message of the book. You know? I think that is very important, and I definitely think that that shines through your book, and it shines through who you are and the way that you resonate. And, you know, I, I must let our audience know that you did start this in a very strong, uh, rooted, worldly way. I mean, you were an attorney. You were up the world, in the world, thriving, I'm sure, in, you know, the, in the dogma of capitalism. And, yeah. you, and you truly had to say to yourself, make the choice between me or that. And you chose you, and that takes such such courage. And I want to I want to I want to see if you can share with the audience and with the readers and just with the world, how did you tap into that courage in those moments, knowing as you've just mentioned, you're the only one who has the answer. <laughs> you know, I mean, I think this path is all about um, this constant return back to this question, which is willing to do this work, you know. It's not easy street. It, it gets easier. It gets more, um, you know, you're, you, you get, it gets more seamless, although still um, challenging and constricted so often. And I always had to ask this question, which is, am I going to have faith in this little voice that's pulling me to some unknown place? And, and our lives are determined, are ultimately determined, where we get to, how we feel at the end of the day when we look back at it, you know, if we're lucky enough to have a little time to reflect at the end of it. I think ultimately everything will be decided by our willingness to courageously move forward into a place that feels very unknown and familiar. I mean, the nature of soul shaping is in each lifetime, if you accept this premise, that you're moving into new territory. You're always moving into new territory. You know, my soul came in. I was a warrior. I mean, I was fighting with my mother at one minute, right? I, when, I walked in, when I walked into a courtroom, it was like, whatever. This was like nothing. This was so easy. Trial law. I mean, I was an articling student in the middle of a major league murder trial, and I was directing, writing cross-exams. I mean, this was not normal. This was not egoic. This was a cellular movement. I knew the warrior environment so well. And moving into the next place in my journey, required me to undo all of that. I had to surrender to not knowing. My warrior self didn't want to do that. You know, I had to befriend confusion. I was a tangible focused warrior. Confusion was the enemy, you know. I had to do everything that my soul wasn't familiar with and and that's the truth for everybody. Your soul is moving you into new terrain all the time. That's what it is to move forward, to expand your cellular consciousness. You've got to have Stussel, I say in the book. I mean, I love the term. No one likes this except me, this term, right? But Stussel is like you have to have this inner muscle, this soul-driven determination to excavate and actualize your path. And I don't know why some of us have that courage and some of us don't, but I know one thing. It's like as much as I sit in this place in myself, taking the one seat, like, okay, I've come to this place. I made some gutsy decisions along the way. I also know how close I came to not making these decisions. You know, That decision, when I decided not to practice law and sign on the dotted line right after I was called to the bar, it came so close to my making that other move. And I know if I made that move, I would be in that courtroom adapted to that for 20 or 30 years. I, and I would lose the opportunity that I had to move in this new direction on my soul's journey. You know? So is it, even though I'm like maybe an example of someone who did it courageously, it's still it's still a very very tight tunnel to get through in this unconscious world 
to try to move your way through it, and you've got to find the faith somewhere and hang on to it. Um, you know, like a light in the dark, and find the courage somewhere. Borrow it from somebody if you have to, until you start getting validation that you've made the right move. Mm, what wise advice! I think that is so wise, and I think that um, immediately I saw the movie The Butterfly Effect. Did you, did you see that movie a I few didn't. years ago? I, I didn't. Okay, it basically shows. Um, I'll just briefly share with the audience. Maybe they can recognize because this is exactly what you described in the book and what you've just shared with us. Is it's basically a, they take one choice situation and they show all six possible outcomes. So right. if they went one path, or it would be this, and and it even showed the karma in like three of the six choices. Fantastic. It was pretty profound. So it just goes to show that we create our, 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 we create our experience consciously or unconsciously. So if we just do the best we can to create it consciously in the moment, considering our emotional experience and, yep. and, and our, our heart. <laughs> yes. And all that, everything up against us, yeah. Yeah, we can just really just, it's like, I think people get this illusion, I think this is what you were also referring to, people get this illusion like, because you're a teacher now, it's just all cake. <laughs> and yeah, I, and think, I don't even identify myself as a teacher, but, but, but no, no, but absolutely, you know, unfolding to this stage, it, it isn't over. But I just want to go back to what you said, because it was so interesting. I remember so much, like I did a lot of mirror work throughout the process, like I would look at myself in the mirror try to like imagine how I would manifest or humanifest if I was like in my most soul connected form like would my eyes be brighter you know would my shoulders be back would I like hold my head up higher how would I walk how would I move what would be the way I lived in this soul skin of mine if I was honoring true path and so when I was making this decision with law I did this sliding doors imagery a lot like I'd imagine myself if I walked down that road I'd have this particular kind of wife probably and 43 kids and I knew what kind of house I'd live in, but I literally would form physical images of who I would be if I had walked that fall, the wrong path, how I would walk, how I would carry myself, what I would wear, how I would interact, where I would be interacting from internally, like where where would my interactive expression be emanating from, like egoically on, or my soul or my physical form or my habits or, or my mindy ways or whatever. And then I was would try was trying to get this image of my innate image, which is like an image of possibility, like what would I look like and how would I interface if I was coming from who I really was supposed to be in this lifetime. And, and that was my journey. That was so much of the journey. And it kind of you know culminates, at least some part of it, in kind of the middle of the book in the insight and opening chapter when I do this wonderful holotropic breath work, Stan Groff workshop with Jack Cornfield Insight and Opening, which is fantastic, by the way. And I do this intense, intense breath work, purge a lot of old emotions that were obstructing my vision. And then I see myself sitting uh, like across from myself at a fire, me in this current form that I was in at that moment in time, and who I could be in a surrendered state in my ultimate state in this lifetime, like my maximum growth potential vision or something. And it was like validating that this thing I was looking for in the mirror, in fact, existed inside of me, you know. And there's actually an image on the website on one of the clicks. I can't remember which one. It was going to be the book cover of the original edition, which shows this is like a cartoonist image of me looking at me over this fire of essential light and, and seeing who my ultimate physical manifestation possibility. 
and to me that's what it's about it's about con that's what consciousness is trying to get an awareness of who you can become ultimately in this lifetime and then doing the work to become it yes and that's so much easier said than done but if yes. we can say it then we yes. can begin to create it right yes. <laughs> yeah this is this i i i'm i'm not saying this is easy this this was a long standing process and continues to be because i am not fully now I I can hold the vision now of who I saw in the fire and you know I feel like I'm coming emanating from that surrendered source spring in my choices and pathways in my life but I'm not embodying that state of being all the time absolutely not so there's still you know I still see there's a whole lot more work to be done Yes, I think there is for all of us on earth if we're, if your work's done I don't think you're here anymore <laughs> you go yeah, we're we're ready to fly. <laughs> That's wonderful. So I think let's talk about a little bit about clearing the debris, as you just mentioned, is just looking at in the mirror and the fire and looking at, you know, what comes up. And it looks to me like, or it sounds to me like in the book, repressed emotions was a big part of breaking through for you. And I think that's so true for all of us. So how do you define repressed emotions and recommend that people really work through those because I think that's probably the number one human block. Well, let me first talk about why it's important, you know, and then, I mean, I think this emotion, I mean, I always felt there was some link, however vague at first, between my emotional life and my spiritual journey. You know, when I first started, I thought, oh, well, all this pain and suffering is a mistake. This isn't my real path. This isn't my real family. I'm with the wrong people. This was a big mistake, and I'm going to find my way to my people, you know. And as my journey unfolded, you know, I realized that, you know, doing the emotional work, clearing the emotional body, I mean, it's, 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 the, it's the material held by the collective as well. It's not also always individually sourced, you know. You really have to understand that. I mean, we're all in that to some extent, issues, patterns, triggers, stuff in the way, you know. When I did that work, the first thing that happened is I started to create space inside of my organism so that my spiritual path could start to reveal itself. When you're too tight inside, when you're too, you've got too much stuff held in the emotional body, you, you can't glimpse it. It becomes very difficult to glimpse it. And the second thing that happened, the more emotional work I did, the more I actually transformed my cellular consciousness. And that was part of my spiritual journey. I was supposed to, you know, it was like I came in this lifetime like an old soul with a young psyche. That's how I feel about it, you know. And what I needed to do was develop my capacity to hold negative emotions, to hold pain in my system for a longer and longer period of time. You know, so the love experience I wrote about, one of the things that was important to me and that was instead of running away and armoring myself after the heartbreak, I stayed in that process. I held that heartbreak for longer periods of time until something happened or transformed on a spiritual level. So that's why it's important to do this work. You need to create space inside, and something about doing the work will advance you, your capacity to connect yourself on a spiritual level. How you do it is up to you. I did a lot of talk-based therapy until I got tired of it. Important. It created boundary structures that helped me to understand the framework. It made me realize I was a trauma survivor. you know. But then it was like that wasn't enough. I needed to do more like body-centered work. I did bioenergetics work. I did a lot of intense holotropic breath work to move stuff out of my body because talking about it didn't do it. I had to get it, move it through the cells in my system. And, and that's why I talk about Sell Your Soul in the book, CEL Your Soul, which is the idea that the body is the karmic field where the soul's lessons are harvested. You've got to get into the body. 
the emotional body, the stuff that's held in the cells of your physical structure in order to move forward on this journey. And, and you know, you do it any way that you can. So I got a friend that just dances and dances and cries and cries and does rage work while dancing and feels fantastic at the end of it. I do that. I do dancing. I love dancing. I yeah. actually... It's just great. I turn on my favorite song, and it's usually like right now it's the Black Eyed Peas. Yeah. <laughs> it's not very spiritual, but man, does it feel good when I'm done? I'm like, woohoo! One time, my clairvoyant teacher called when I was doing it. And she goes, "What the heck are you doing?" <laughs> One of well, the teachers. Dulcinea, I don't know what's not spiritual about that. I mean, that's exactly my point. It's completely spiritual. You know, what is spiritual? It's it's just anything that t- connects you to source, you know? That's true. It, and to me, it's so validating. I guess I'm putting judgment that I think other people are putting on yeah. me because I feel great. <laughs> fantastic. I mean, I, I, I feel more connected to my center at the, at the racetrack than I do in most places in the urban environment, believe it or not. Or what wow. is about it? Something about some calling out a previous life. Maybe I was a horseman. I don't know, you know, or a horsewoman, or it was just a childhood place where I went to get some relief. And when I'm there, I somehow all of the noise, all of the stuff I worry about and anxious about, it's just gone. It's completely gone for me at the racetrack of all places. And that's a spiritual experience for me. Yeah, everybody is different. I know. I know my family is. Um, they're racetrack. You know, individuals, and I grew up with that as well. And and I think I people watch <laughs> when I'm there. But the point being is that it can be nature. It can be in your house. It can be dancing. There are no rules to tap into the truth of who we are. Right. That's absolutely right. And I think I think that is so important. So, what was your greatest defining experience along this journey? I know there have been so many, but I'm just I really would like other people to hear maybe one of the stories in the book, Soul Shaping a Journey of Self-Creation, that really helped define your path. I think that the uh, love experience, the uncommon bonds or uh, higher consciousness love experience that I wrote about in Chapter 8, um, <clears throat> the woman's name, um, the woman's name I, I won't repeat, but her name is Rachel in the book, is the name that we used. This experience was, you know, I called this to me. <clears throat> I had done enough work and I had reached some point in my journey where I felt like, I needed some kind of love experience. I had really been commitment phobic and unwilling to open, and maybe I just really wasn't ready for something profound, you know. And then I, so I asked the universe. I literally asked the universe to send me love. And as it turns out, she she asked the universe around the same time. And and so we encountered each other, and we had a a profound gateway to God experience. And I, we had a, a an absolute definitive sense that we'd known each other in previous lives. And I was still pretty tangible, practical guy about this stuff. I was blown away by it. You know, I, was, I wasn't floating. I was pretty grounded. And as we went farther and farther into the experience, I mean, I had my deepest and most complete experiences of unity consciousness, real, real understanding of what relationship could look like on a profound, connective level. Um, and then uh, she betrayed the relationship. She had resisted it and run away, and there was there were a lot of things. She, it was very hard to hold this depth of connection, you know, this subtlety in this gross realm world. And she betrayed the connection. And then the, the key thing happened. I, my immediate response was to armor up, was to fall back to old patterns, you know, like drink Bailey's Irish cream. I would like, you know, lie around watching movies. I was doing everything internally to armor up, go back to warrior, close my heart confused about it. How could God bring this to me? Destroy me like this. I, wh- what kind of a game are you playing? All that. And then uh, after some time, Little Missy, that part of me that kind of pulled me towards this more subtle and genuine path, 
said, go to Harbin Hot Springs in California and do this particular workshop. You have to go. And Harbin is a place where people open. And I went there, and um, I made a lot of choices in the heart of that process. I knew that if I didn't open, I was just going to be armored for the rest of it. I, was, I just knew it. It was like such a profound heartbreak. I didn't think I could hold it. And something happened there. I just did got all kinds of watsu and body work and all the rest of it. And then I made some decision on a deep level that I needed to feel into that heartbreak, move into my body, run through the woods, cry and cry and cry, surrender to the heartbreak. And, and that decision, I think, is what led to soul shaping because I opened on a level that I think my soul had never opened before. I remember sitting at the top of Harbor Mountain looking out at the village or looking out at the um, valley and I had such a clarified vision as to what my path was, what my life had been, who everybody was in it that was significant and what the next step was, this next step which was coming from a more surrendered heart place. And The key to all of that was the decision that I made on some deep and almost inexplicable level to, um, to move, to convert that heartbreak into the um, positive lesson and transformation that was at the heart of it. Very profound. Thank you for sharing. And that's the journey, you know. You that's consciousness. You decide to either close it down. It's just too unbearable, it's too much, or you decide to really really set it up so you can walk into it and in the walking into it, right? You know, I say repressed emotions are unactualized spiritual lessons in the book. You've got to move the feelings in order to learn the lesson. You're not going to learn it in your mind, and you're not going to learn it by detaching from your identifications, because in the heart of those experiences and identifications is the learning that grows you. That is the karmic field. That's what karma is, you know. Uh, yeah, that's how it looks. It's not. It's not. It's not pleasant <laughs> all the time, but you know, hopefully. You have you have a quote in the book. It says the only thing to do is quite painfully unmask. And, and I'll let you say the author of that. It's in Chapter 3. I think it's Cho Gim Trungpa from uh, You got it. Uh, you are so wonderful. Yeah. Yes, yes. So definitely is so true. When consciousness calls, just painfully unmask is the solution, or the higher yeah. solution, I should say. <laughs> that's and that's the mirror work. You know, when you're standing in front of the mirror, looking at your face and asking the question, is that really my face? You know? I mean, it's like my face, but is that really reflective of my authentic self? I mean, that's the unmasking process, trying to peel away the false, adapted, disguised, defended layers to see the reflection of true path, right? Truth is the gateway to the moment. When you're in truth, how do you use your face look? When you're in love, how does your face look? You know, important to think about it in terms of your face. <laughs> Very tangible. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's right there, thing. staring at you. You got it. Don't miss it. <laughs> we're, we're speaking with author Jeff Brown, author of Soul Shaping, A Journey of Self-Creation, second edition out. And that, that actually just came out in August. So it's just out a few weeks now. So you yeah. can pick that up on Jeff's website, www.soulshaping.com. Dot com. You can also link up to soulshaping.com through the evolutionrevolutionradio.com link. And I'd also like to let people know that they can meet up at you have an event coming up on Saturday, October 3rd in Toronto, sponsored by the Open Heart Gang, a meeting of the Soul Pod. Do you want to share a little bit about what that will be like? Yeah, on October 3rd in Toronto at Yoga Space, which is on Ossington in Toronto. I'm, I'm not charging for this. We're just, you know, I'm going to do a talk about some aspects of my journey, and we're going to do a little Q&A and a book signing for the new North Atlantic edition. And 
yeah, people are, are starting to gather for that. I'm looking forward to that. I, I think it's time to get out from behind the telephone and actually start to interface on a speaking and workshop level. That's the next step in the process. I agree, and I can see that you will exponentially grow as an individual and also your following, which is really needed at this point in consciousness. You are a gift to humanity, and I definitely want to honor that. So that's exciting to let people connect with your energy because part of your consciousness that comes across very clear in the book Soul Shaping is, and is evident with you is just really your energy field and your lessons are part of how you are a model for other people to learn to walk their truth. And that's such a beautiful gift that you're here to bring. So I want to thank you for soul shaping and for your willingness to get out there and really follow through. That's highly commendable. So who really do you think, for, like, for a target audience for this book, when we were talking last time, was people really searching their heart, individuals struggling, have you seen a shift in your perception of how you can reach out to even more people with this? Well, I think first of all, the target audience—it's just change. You know, it's so interesting the feedback that I get. I mean, there there are so many um, different people come to this from so many different places. You know, men who are tired of carrying the weight of their armor. You know, uh, women who really want to be exposed to and we just read about. A man's emotional processes. I mean, I've known so many women who are in relationships with men who wouldn't tell them what they were feeling, and for whatever reason, I can't stop talking about what I'm feeling. So um, that seems to be a very appealing thing. And you know, there's just like young people who are just like trying to figure out career path stuff, respond to it. Older people who are reflecting back on you know whether or not they've honored their path in their life, and in the time that they have left, how can they get closer aligned to true path? It's 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 a broad spectrum of people. And, you know, in terms of how to bring this to people more readily, I don't know. I think we're doing everything that we can do. You know, I may hire a publicist soon to take it to the next level now that the bookstore edition is out, but there's a lot of grassroots energy building. There's a lot of really core support for this. And, you know, because and I, I think it's more than the book now. You know, I think what's what started to happen about it is like the the grounded spirituality model at the heart of it. It just feels like it's really calling out to people on a broader level. I didn't really understand that, but this concept of ascending with both feet on the ground that came through my journey, and I carried with me through my journey, trying to understand what what was different about this from some of the Eastern stuff I read, which took me to the sky, the Western stuff that I read that took me down to the psychological and the earth plane. And at the heart of social media is a mix, really. I'm trying to, you know, I call it Western consciousness now. I'm trying to weave together. And I think this particular weaving is is very relevant for people now who are frustrated with one-dimensional detachment models that aren't helping them to move forward on Earth. You know, yes. who have done therapy for years and years but can't touch the sky. You know, and really now it's just like a timely thing. It's like there's this economic crisis, so people need to stay earthbound. They need to deal with things that are happening on the practical level, but at the same time they want to weave some kind of spiritual consciousness into their reality and. I think it's interfacing on a timing level in a way that's almost perfect. You know, like when I first self-published, I think I was a little more up against it in terms of timing, and I I think it's changed radically. I think it's changed too. I, as you're speaking, um, just from my clairvoyant perspective, I saw that a center would be really valuable in time. I just see you being really grounded and teaching people. You have such a strong grounded energy with your background, 
and the ability to create that, I think that's probably what you'll see evolve. And when you say you were grassroots, I see Obama. So that's a very um, indicative sign of ready for change and a leader. Um, there are many leaders, but you'll be one of many leaders as, and using your idea of being you know, with the people, which is so, so important because that's what Obama offered us. So I'm just very excited to see this awareness within you and, and you ready to grab the reins because I, I am so excited to see where you lead us in, in, as uh, being one in humanity and really allowing this book to be the gateway to a much bigger, bigger gift. Yeah, I mean, we, you know, we, we, if we go anywhere, we're walking together. You know, um, I mean, I'm really, I'm really clear on that. You know, this, I mean, this, I mean, I understand that people come in, you know, with particular um, calls to lead, for example. You know, but at this movement, if this becomes a movement in a really tangible way, it's such a connective movement. You know, because one thing I really came to understand about my journey, as much as I was grappling throughout my process from my individual path, you know, who am I, really? What I ended up finding that really what my path was was to do work to connect to others, you know? And I wonder if at the end of the day that isn't everyone's path, that whatever your gifts, calling, soul scriptures are about are relational. We don't learn any lessons all on our own. And the stuff that I did around emotional processing had to do with healing relational experience, you know? Everything seemed to come back one level or another to something connective, you know? So like if you took me away from humanity and stuck me alone on a desert island right now, would I be able to honor my path? Absolutely not, because my path is dependent on relationship entirely. Not just in terms of buying the book and moving the book, but in terms of, you know, it's like when I change my status on Facebook, I have a lot of uh, interaction on my wall on Facebook, and those status changes really emanate from interaction for me. You know, somebody writes me something and it, it connects to something internally and then it's like, okay, this is something I need to post because this is helpful to people, you know. But all of it, all of it around this comes from bringing the soul pod into connection. And and I hope I can just sort of always, even if this moves to a very, very big level, I don't want to ever lose sight of that because that's it. That's the heart of it, you know. In terms of having a center one day, I don't think it's the time for it. I think it's time to move my energy out there. Yeah, oh, I think it will come, I think, I see like five to seven years. Yeah. I see I, it's going to be a long, it will be after you've made your rounds. Yeah, it's with, like with a the people. soul-shaping university or a soul-surf yep. school, somebody called it or something. And, you know, which would, in a way, would serve me in terms of connectiveness because I'd be more grounded because of my root chakra issues. I think I'd be more effective in the same habitual yep. environment than I am in motion. You know, I'm going to lose a little something along the way being in motion. I think it's yes. essential, but... But yeah, I think I think that that's that's a nice vision of possibility that I'll hold on to. Yeah. Yes, yes, and definitely expand it, go bigger. <laughs> I appreciate that. Um, so we're gonna let people know they can find you on the web at www.soulshaping.com. They can find some book excerpts, table of contents, a plethora of testimonials. Of course, there are some podcasts. And is there anything really exciting on the website that you'd like to lead people to? Yeah, that really I, mean, I mean, check out the Soul Shaping Dictionary. That's something. That, that, that language is starting to be used by people. It really kind of is a more positive and uplifted way of understanding, understanding spiritual journey. And there's also a couple of free audio pods. One in particular, the little voice that knows that I want to share with people that was very popular. And uh, I think they may find supportive of their path. Yeah. I like that. The little voice that knows. I saw a children's book when you said it. It's like a book that's really simple that explains to people like the little voice that knows. <laughs> yeah. 
so fun to create with you, Jeff. You just bring <laughs> out my consciousness here. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so I'd also like to point out, you know, one of the things you've mentioned throughout the hour is just the importance of the first chakra and keeping your feet on the ground through this extremely spiritual process, knowing that there's something invisible leading you or leading each of us to a bigger vision without any validation from the physical world. So I think it's really important that you talked about having our feet on the ground as we move through this. And how can you, how can you help our audience and others who are going through this to really grab to keep their feet on the ground and allow their spirit to lead the way? Do you have any suggestions or tips from your experience? Well, what help? Well, you know, it's it, what helps me. You know, and, and even right now with everything that's happening around the book, and is is I come back to just basic physical activities. You know, that are you know, it's like so. If you have a, you touch the sky, you have a love making or a, you know, a meditative experience that's sort of uni- unity consciousness. Like you, you plummet or open to the field of essence, and then, you know, it's like at some point, you know, always remember to do the things, simple, basic, physical, tangible things like watching videos, things that habitually have been like rituals without judging them, like me going to the racetrack, that bring you back into that place in yourself that's just grounded and earthbound and helps you to remember who you are and who you were on a very, very basic practical level. And the other thing that's important is to try to take care of the financial aspect of your lives. You know, I have a particularly neurotic trip around money, not everybody does. Some people can live with very little money and still do really heightened work on the world. I'm not one of them, and I don't know too many who can. And I think it's important, to, if you're going to do this work, and it's, they're supportive of each other and ultimately become indistinguishable spiritually, to continue to make sure that you take care of the bottom line. You know, it's like, let's say you have a calling to become a writer, but like you don't have money because you, you, you work, you're a fireman. Don't quit being a fireman overnight to go and be a writer unless you know that's the only way you're going to get there. Weave it into your life, but make sure you continue to honor your root, your basic chakra needs along the way so that when you ascend, your ascension is more complete. I call it soul meets soul on sacred footpath. S-O-L-E meets S-O-U-L. And to me, that's the only way that we're going to do it here on this planet, you know human spiritual experience ultimately indistinguishable from each other. Yes, yes, and I think that is so important. You know, again, having related to your journey, coming from a very grounded path, I myself have that. And I think one of the number one questions, which you've just addressed, that my clients call me with is, how do I stay on this spiritual process and I can't pay my bills. And it's like, well, you won't enjoy it for sure if you can't pay your bills. <laughs> and, they, and they need to, all, well, you'll be too worried about money, but they need to also understand that paying their bills is part of spirituality. Dealing with and managing and being accountable for your physical needs on this planet is a spiritual experience. To me, the most spiritual person is the one living inclusively in the most levels or realms of reality. That includes the practical dimension. My ultimate guru, if I could envision him, is like somebody who owns a, a very tangible physical like container business and somehow deals with the world on that dimension, connects to the world in that way, and at the same time is able to hold unity consciousness in the heart of his localized day-to-day experience. To me, that's beautiful spirituality. You know, this idea that spirituality is something independent of the earthly experience is a big part of the problem. We have to live in the world as it is to get to the world as it ought to be. Otherwise, we're just going to float away, and that's not going to help anybody. Yes, and I think, you know, just so much validation with that is I think we all want a role model 
who is where we want to be. And if we asked, oh, well, who would your role model be? No one is going to, I mean, very few of us would be really humbly willing to admit that we would want to be um, or look at a role model who wasn't financially grounded in some way, shape, or form. Of course, a diverse array of how that would look. (laughs) Just solid. Just solid on on the earth plane and dealing with the world as it is and at the same time holding all the divine possibilities at the same time. You know, we've we've all spent time, if we've been around this path, with people who are floating away and doing the bliss trip. And it's fine until they get in a relationship and they're crazy or, you know, until somebody comes to repossess the car and and then they're stumbling around homeless and think that that's really a more deeply spiritual trip. And it's just not, you know. I've been able to – I could not have written this book. I wrote better and more effectively when I hit my sales quota than when I didn't. When I didn't, I was just anxious and worried about money. I hit I'm my in sales quota, way. I came right back to the computer, and the new language of the Soul Shaping Dictionary would start to come through me. It was fantastic. I have a parallel experience with you there. They're like, write. And I'm like, okay, sure. <laughs> in 2005, but they're like, write an article. And I was in San Francisco at the time, and it's like, ah, no. They're like, write a book, give me dreams. I'm like, no, I'm not ready. And they're like, okay, how about if we give you a job, like a real, like, like, like a college, you know, a big salary. I was like, well, sure, I'll write anything. <laughs> so I think that humanly we all, I think we all can relate to that, that we just feel really good. So important point that you bring up in your fabulous book, Soul Shaping, to really ascend with your feet on the ground. And I'm, I'm going to leave with that note here as we end, come into a close for our hour. So we can find Jeff on the web at www.soulshaping.com. You can also link up with him on the evolutionrevolutionradio.com. I'd also like to let the audience know that Jeff and I spoke about his first edition, and of course that will be found in the iTunes arch- archives along with this audio. So that's very exciting. So what can we look for from what can we expect from you next, Jeff? Just this exciting bus tour and unveiling that, making your rounds with the people. Yeah, I mean, I have two things that I'm going to focus on this autumn. One, I'm finishing the. We're trying to finish the documentary we've been working on about Bhagavan Das called Carmageddon. That's been around for a while, and we think we're pretty close to that. And and I'm I'm going to focus on putting together some nice YouTube videos, theme-related YouTube videos. And uh, I want to speak to some of the young people in one of those videos, and they have some other ideas too. So hopefully, over the next couple of months, they'll start popping up on Facebook and the Soul Shaping channel on YouTube will be more active. I'm, I'm looking forward to that. I think that will be a lot of fun. Very, very exciting. Well, be sure to let us know, and I'll see you on Facebook as you unveil the videos. <laughs> that's <know>. wonderful. <laughs> Only in our heart can we truly discover the path of our authentic selves, look within, and allow the love from deep, deep within to lead the way and create a most transformational moment and embrace the process filled with joy and it has the opportunity to lead you to the truth of who you really are. Let the magic begin. Next week on September 24th, Robert Hill will be making an appearance with his book, Healing Your Brains, the Neurofeedback Solution Drug-Free Treatment for Childhood Disorders, including Autism, ADHD, Depression, and Anxiety, a most relevant book for any parents, grandparents, teachers, social workers, and anyone who supports the healthy development of adolescents. On October 8th, Marshingo will be joining us. On October 15th, Noah Benche will be making his appearance. Coming up on October 22nd, we'll be speaking with Paul Rademacher. Coming up on October 29th, Larry LaShawn will be making his appearance. And on November 5th, we'll be speaking with Carolyn Sutherland. 
Coming up on November 12th, we'll be speaking with Barbara Hanclow once again on the opening of night six. So be sure to join us for her astrological predictions and we'll check in on what she offered us earlier in the year. And on December 31st, we have a two-hour New Year's special with Richard Lawrence, his amazing offerings of the 12 blessings, and his co-authored book, Realize Your Inner Potential. Be sure to join us for a two-hour New Year's Eve bang. You can purchase all the author's books featured on Evolution Revolution at www.amazon.com or link up to their individual websites through the Evolution Revolution homepage. Please join me in the upcoming weeks on the revolutionary independent production of Evolution Revolution for some exciting guests and uplifting inspiration. Of course, all Evolution Revolution archive shows with inspirational authors are available on the website under the archive tabs and on iTunes by searching Dulcinea. The archives include amazing talent such as Michael Tamora, Pamela Brooks, Sharon Jeffers, Neil Donald Walsh, Barbara Marks Hubbard, Eliza Matadalion, Albert Clayton Galden, Chrissy and Gary Blaze, and Richard Blackstone. Please share Evolution Revolution Radio with others who may desire to join us in the future for an enlightening experience. You can now align with me and Evolution Revolution on Facebook by searching Dulcinea333. Be sure to become a fan of Evolution Revolution Radio for special offers and free books and weekly guest updates. I offer a vast array of services that can be found on my website under the Services and Events page, including client testimonials and a wealth of information and opportunities to align. A divine and spiritually enlightening experience awaits you. Also, please be sure to explore the new audio feature called Voices of Change, which offers a unique expression of divine talent and wisdom that has the potential to expand, enlighten, and catalyze universal consciousness into the ever-present, abundant, infinite, and limitless realms. This, the archives include amazing talent, including Dennis Lewis, Lorraine Rowe, Starhawk, Dreaming Bear, Amber Hinton, and more. Also, just released yesterday, you can now connect with Voices of Change on iTunes by searching Dulcinea333 for Voices of Change on iTunes or Dulcinea for Evolution Revolution. Co-create with Evolution Revolution. We are seeking partners to help Evolution Revolution evolve and expand to even more people across the globe. If you are interested in partnering and supporting the rapid development of Evolution Revolution, please explore more under the Evolution Revolution tab. I look forward to hearing from you about the infinite possibilities to co-create in the highest light and with the most grandest intentions. <laughs> I'd like to thank you for joining me on Evolution Revolu Revolution this evening with my honored guest, Jeff Brown. Thank you, Jeff. I appreciate your wisdom, time, and honor your, your path in the world. It's, an, it's a blessing to know you. Thank you so much. Always enjoy your energy. Appreciate that. Thank you. Much gratitude to you for listening and supporting the revolutionary, independent production of Evolution Revolution Radio. I wish each of you an abundance of heavenly love, including peace, awareness, joy, and gratitude today and always. Abundant miracles. Good night.